All right, why don't you grab your Bibles, open them up to Romans chapter 11. If you don't have your Bibles, you can open up the church app. There's a Bible in there. My sermon notes are also in there. You can follow along with me uh, as we go. Uh, but I'll tell you what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about uh, the relentless remnant. Everybody say relentless remnant on three. One, two, three. All right, say it like, like, like there's fire in your bones. One, two, three. Oh, you sound good today. Uh, let me tell you what the, 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 a remnant is. A remnant is what's left. That's an easy way of saying it, the remnant, the what's left. And so when the, the Lord uh, designed the world and he, he had this master plan in his mind, his plan was that every single person that would walk the face of, his, of this earth would be passionate about him, would love him, would be committed to him. And over the centuries of life, um, you look at who's lived on the earth, who's living on the earth, and, it, and it's incredibly obvious that there's, there's only a remnant of passionate believers on the earth. There's only a remnant. Uh, there's seven billion people on the earth, approximately. First of all, as a sidebar, wouldn't it be cool if every person on the earth gave you a dollar? <laughs> wouldn't that be awesome? Anyway, um, seven billion people on the planet. And, and of the seven billion, there's a very small group of people that are relentlessly passionate and completely devoted to the things of Jesus Christ. There's a remnant. It's it's, it's what's left. If, if, after you take all the people in the world and, and you sift through it to find out who is still loving God. In Romans, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 24, it talks about the love of many growing cold. Which means you, people used to really love people and people, uh, they used to really love God. But then that love starts growing cold. See, sometimes we think uh, that it's love because it's a, a strong emotion going towards someone else, but it's actually lust. See, love looks to give and lust looks to get. It's the difference between the two. And so we, sometimes we think we love people, but we actually lust for them. Uh, it's not really a, a, a sincere love. And, and so when you sift through it and you go, Who's, who is left? Who still loves God? Who is still passionate about God? Whose love hasn't gotten cold? Who has not gotten distracted? Or who hasn't gotten so mad um, at, because their specific prayers have not come to pass that they haven't walked from the faith? Who is still a part of the remnant? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, the remnant has four characteristics. Uh, number one is the remnant, they are in constant pursuit. Uh, the remnant, number two, is in constant surrender. 
Number three, the remnant has grit. Number four, the remnant, they know how to rest. So I want to talk just for a moment about being in constant pursuit um, of God's presence, of having a relationship with him. The Bible says that if you draw close to me, I'm going to draw close to you. People who are a part of the remnant are constantly wanting to figure out how I can have a better relationship with God, how I can have him more involved in my life. How can that happen? And, and, and so there requires a pursuing, a consistent pursuit. Um, and, and God and Jesus shared a, a scripture, uh, a story one day in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. It reads like this. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Look at the person next to you and say, you look good today. You look good today. I, just, I see a couple kissing and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Get a room. Uh, just kidding. I'm really happy you love each other. Um, there was a judge in a certain city. He said, who neither feared God or cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. How many people have ever had a woman? Never mind. Uh, and, and so I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. Don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? How many will he find that just continually pursue? How many will be left? Give me a little bit of uh, poetic license here. As we talk about that passage we just read, it talks about a woman who is a widow. Uh, we don't know what happened to her husband. The scripture does not give that explanation. The only thing we know is that she was once married and now she's not because the husband has passed away. We don't know if he passed away uh, through an illness, through sickness. We don't know if he passed away because he was fighting in a war. They were always in battle in those days in that part of the country. But what we do know is that this woman once had a partner and this partner would take care of her and protect her and provide for her. And now she doesn't have him. So now she does not have anybody to provide for her, to take care of her, to console her, 
to protect her. She doesn't have that. She is completely vulnerable. Vulnerable to who? To this guy that she's mentioning in the scripture, this enemy of hers. Now we don't know what he was doing to her. The scripture doesn't imply what it was. But again, give me the license. Give me the poetic license. Let's assume it was something much like debt. Maybe she owed him money. And he wants his money. And in those days, if you didn't pay your debt, they could take your children or child away to pay off your debt. Just take them right out of the house. And so uh, she was banging. She went to the judge and she's saying, I need you to help me. And let's just put in the, what she's not saying. I don't have a husband to protect me anymore. I don't have somebody to help me. If you don't help me, then nobody else will. I'm being bullied over here. I'm being pushed around over here. I can't protect myself anymore. I can't help myself. If you don't help me, there's nobody that will. And so Jesus is coming across to say this. You're going to be in situations where nobody can help you. You are going to have needs that nobody else can supply for you except for me. You're going to be in a situation where the people that you thought would come through for you, they're not coming through. The people that you thought would be there for you, they're not there. The needs that you have are needs that you never dreamed you would have, but you do. And in those situations, this is Jesus talking, in those situations, I want you to come to me. And, and I want you to come to me relentlessly. Because if an unjust guy who does not care about people will do the right thing, how much more will I do for you because I passionately love you? That's what he's saying. I want you to be relentless in your pursuit towards me. She went to his door of the judge and knocked. Finally, the guy's just like, okay already. Have you ever had somebody ring your doorbell? Ding, 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 ding. And you want to open the door and just... I've never had that emotion, but I'm just saying. It's just like, stop! Or somebody that calls you, and then you don't pick up the phone, then they call you, and then they don't pick up the phone, then they call you, and then they don't pick up the phone, and they call you. And it's just like, what already? It's like they just break you down. Jesus is saying this, and this is point number one. I want you to pursue me that way. I want you to pursue me with that level of passion, with that level of commitment. And see, we can want God to do something for us, but wanting him to do something for us is not enough. We have to ask him. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Imagine going into a restaurant and sitting down at the table you're thirsty, you want something to drink, but you don't ever ask the waiter for a drink. 
You just sit there and, and be frustrated and think this place is a dump. This waiter is a bum. No, the waiter's not a bum. The restaurant's not a, a dump. And God is not, not listening. Did that make sense? You have to ask. And so there's a couple verses in the Bible that we need to just tattoo on our heart. One of them is in James chapter 5, verse 16, where it says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. This is that woman. She's going to the judge. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. And then, this is effectual. This is fervent. And when you do that, it availeth much. We got to tattoo that on our heart. You know, there's other scriptures in Romans chapter 11, verse 6, where it says, I will reward those who are passionate and pray. I will reward those who diligently seek him. He's saying, Dil be diligent. Don't just pray once. Don't just think about what you want me to do. I want you to pray fervently. I want you to be diligent. I want you to be passionate. And don't do it one time. Do it. I, I, there's a particular prayer request that I have that I have had this prayer request for many, many years, to be honest with you. A few weeks ago, I decided I am done praying for this every once in a while. And so I went into my office and I started praying with passion. This is where this sermon came from. I was going to town in my prayer time. See, when I'm here on Sunday, I'm cognizant of the fact that there's other people in the room. And so I pray respectively towards you so that I'm not a distraction. But when I'm alone, I am full-blown Italian. Do you hear me? I need you. I desire you. I and, and I'm praying like this. And this is where this whole sermon came from. Is to come back and say, we, as the remnant, not as, um, uh, what's the word I want to, uh, uh, posers. That's a good word. It's not in the Bible, but posers. People pose to be remnant kind of people. They look like they pray, but they don't. They just look like they do. But if you're a part of the remnant, you're passionate. I'll give you an example. Does anybody, raise your hand if you know what this is. So every teenager and every child is like, oh yeah, it's a spinner. And all the parents are like, oh my God, don't show it to me again. Because if your kids, uh, if you have kids, and I've got three, uh, one of them has been on my case to buy him a spinner. I gotta have a spinner. 
Gotta have a spinner. Gotta have a spinner. And I'm like, what is a spinner? He goes, you put it in your hands and it spins. And I'm like, who cares about a spinner? I don't need a spinner. And Joey's got a spinner. Bobby's got a spinner. I gotta have it. And then you know what I say? If Joey and Bobby jumped off a bridge, would you want to tell you? And we go, I'm not on and on and on, over and over. I gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta have it. So I finally get on Amazon, order him a stupid spinner. He brings it in. He goes, I got my spinner. I was like, well, what does it do? He goes, it spins. You drove me crazy over that? Over that. I said, what else does it do? Well, you can put it in this hand. <laughs> you drove me crazy over a stupid spinner? And I'm like, well, at least I don't have to hear it anymore. It was worth all, every penny of the $7.95 it cost. You know, for me to choke up the money for the seven dollars it didn't hurt my underlying budget at the end of the month if you know what I mean it was just I'm just relieved that he's shut up let me just tell you what what you're asking for is not stressing out God's bottom line he can heal you is if you have a physical need a sickness in your body he can heal you as easy it is for you to breathe. If you have a financial need, uh, $10,000 could probably change the whole world. Do you know that if God lost $10,000, he wouldn't even know it. He could send you $10,000 just by thinking of it. The issue is, is do we have enough fortitude to pray relentlessly? Not once, Do we have that kind of fortitude? Number two is surrender. Uh, people in the remnant, they know how to surrender. They're constantly looking to surrender. I'll tell you, this point came from my prayer time as well. I, I basically took my whole, what I was praying about and made a sermon out of it. So just know, I don't need to look at my notes because I've already preached this to myself like a hundred times. I'm praying and I'm saying, God, I hope you don't mind my voice because you're going to hear it every single day. And I'm praying and I'm worshiping and I'm praying. And then I just stopped and I said, is there anything in my life you don't like? Because if there is, I just want you to know, I don't like it so much that I'm not willing to give it up. I just want you to know, is there anything in my life you don't like? People in the remnant are willing to stop or start anything God wants them to. Because there's nothing here that I want that bad that I'm willing to trade. And sometimes we have, uh, we are directionally challenged. We don't know which direction we need to go. I read about a guy who's uh, an avalanche, a snow avalanche, fell on him. And they found his body dead after he dug 30 feet in the wrong direction trying to get out of the avalanche. And so the, 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 the story or the article that I was reading said, if you ever get caught in an avalanche, this is just free by the way. If you ever get caught in an avalanche, spit before you dig. I'm like, keep talking. And so they say when you're in a pack of snow, and those of you that have grown up in snow, I have 
you know this, when you're in snow, you can carve out like a little cubby for yourself. Distance between you and the snow. You can just kind of go like that. And you're like this little cubby. And, and they say spit before you start digging. Just spit. Because where you think down is may not be where down is. But the law of gravity is, is still in place. So if you spit and it goes... That means this is down. Is that right? Yeah. So if I spit and it goes this way, that's down. <laughs> I got to walk myself through this. If I spit and it goes up and comes back down on my face, what does that mean? That's down. So I may go... And it goes up and falls down. And it's like, whoa, I just spit in my face. That might be the only time you ever want to spit in your face, by the way. And then you go, oh, see, this whole time I thought down was that way. But really down is that way. And, and now at that moment, you have a decision to make. Do you go with where you think down is? Or do you go where the law of gravity tells you down is? And see, whenever we have that moment of surrender, we have to back up and ask ourselves that same question. Do you do what you think is right? Or do you do what God says is right? Because if you don't settle that now, if you don't have an attitude of surrender now, you'll live your whole life arguing and wrestling with God, justifying your position, even though you can't find it anywhere in the Bible. You might as well just draw that line now. So number one is pursuit. Number two is your constant in surrender. Number three is what is your grit score? You can go online when you get home and Google this book, The Power of Grit. The whole book can be summarized with this, these few statements. That success as a mother, as a father, as an employee, as an employer has more to do with your grit score than your education or talent. Grit is your ability to stick with, with passion, your original desire. And so if you pull this up, you'll see that you can actually take a grit test. I took the test and come to find out that I, uh, I scored a 70% in comparison to all the people on the globe. So I have 70% more grit than everybody else on the planet, which sounds really good until you realize that they're also factoring infants and babies. So all of a sudden it's not nearly as impressive anymore. And I, I, all my scores were good until I got to this one thing. Can you wake up in the morning without a different idea that you're passionate about? And I said, no. Because every day I wake up, I have a new idea. You could cook, it, the grit test didn't like that. They want you to stick with an idea and sustain the rough patches. They want you to be able to get through the seasons 
um, the, uh, where nothing is happening and still stay passionate? I bombed that question and it pulled my score down. But what is your grit? How well can you stick to it? The Bible talks about people whose faith has shipwrecked when things don't go well or exactly how they want it. See, not all the time do people want a God. They really want a servant to do what they want him to do. And so a God is someone that says, I am going to pursue you and desire you, but if things don't happen exactly the way I want them, I just want you to know I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to keep on pursuing and keep on pushing. Has anyone here ever watched that movie, Finding Nemo? Anyone here? They don't say pushing and striving, and they don't use the word grit. They say it a different way. Take a look at this. Hey, Mr. Grumpy Gills. When life gets you down, you know what you got to do? I don't want to know what you got to do. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim. Doreen O'Saini. I love to swim. Doreen. When you want to swim, you want See, to See, I'm going to get stuck now with that song. Now it's in my head. Sorry. Just... Keep swimming, keep swimming, keep swimming, keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Keep moving. As you're listening to this sermon, I want you to be listening, thinking to yourself, okay, keep talking because I know I have a passion and desire to be a part of this remnant. And then when I say something that you know is not quite dialed in, it needs to raise a red flag. Are you, do, number one, do, are you in constant pursuit? No, I, that's a red flag issue for me. Um, do, do you surrender whatever it is God is desiring? No, I'll surrender everything except for this. That's a red flag. Number three, do you have grit? Can you get through a rough season? I think I'm going to change my wedding notes. Instead of saying, do you uh, uh, promise to, to stay with her, to stay with him through sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, I'm going to say, do you have any grit? Can you get through a rough match? I'm going to change that. Let's see how that goes. Because you back up and it's going to take some grit. Or, or back up number four, and this is the last and closing point, is, is how well do you know how to rest? Has anyone here ever taken a vacation? And then you come home from the vacation and you need a vacation to recover from your vacation? I went to Disneyland once and felt that way. I went to Disneyland all week long and I was like... On day one. And on day seven, I was like, somebody. <laughs> no. I just knew I was never coming back. Let's just put it that way. I came home from this vacation. And I was tired from my vacation. Have you ever slept six or eight hours and then woke up the next day and you were tireder than you were before? See, resting is not sleep. And resting is not a vacation. You can get to five, Friday at 5 and think, oh, thank God it's Friday. I'm even going to go to TGIFs and eat me some buffalo wings and be so happy that it's Friday. And then Sunday night you realize you're just as tired as you were last Friday. You didn't get any rest over the weekend because rest is not what we think it is. 
Rest can only be found in Exodus 33, verse 14, when the Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. And this is how we belong to the remnant. We're in constant pursuit. We're in constant surrender. Let me ask you a question. Does the words ever come out of your mouth? I'm not saying sorry. He needs to say sorry. I'm not saying sorry. She needs to say sorry. Maybe that's an area we need to surrender. I I don't know. But I want to encourage you in this. That real rest is while we are pursuing Him, we are being filled with strength. That's rest. That's rest. If you've come in today and you're just like, Frankie, I am tired. I am tired. I'm going to say back to you two things. Number one, man, I woke up this morning tired. I was late for church today. Hello. I'm the senior pastor. I went on some Cub Scout trip with my son. Oh, Lord. The next time I have that idea, remind me I don't like Cub Scouts. I'm happy he's in it, but I don't want to be in it. I know what it feels like to be tired. I also know that getting sleep is not going to make me feel more rested. There's a difference between tired and weary. And I'm weary. Is there anyone here that's weary? These are the times where we learn to rest. We rest in pursuit of Him. Now there's some people joining the faith with the symbolic expression of baptism this morning, and I'm super excited about it. So why don't you take a look at this. 